Hey everyone, this is Matt, the Dungeon Master and creator for the first of the Metal and Magic podcast stories, The War of the Kings. Today's episode will focus on a brief overview of my world, the world of Talea, and specifically the continent that this story takes place on, known as Kars. However, the Metal and Magic name will be an umbrella for another podcast where we play Tomb of Annihilation. That game will be DM'd by James, who plays a character in this story. I'm a pretty easygoing DM. I'm going to allow homebrew material and stuff like that, mainly because I like my players to be happy with the content they choose, or they're allowed to choose. And I want them to be challenged by the combat and like the story that we're telling together. So our party consists of Grayson, who plays Salar, the Yuntai fighter. James, who plays Karox, the human wizard. Chip, who plays Trake, the storm goliath pugilist. And Anthony, who plays Uriel, the wood elf monk. And as our story goes on, we get a couple new characters. We get Eric, who plays Mohu, the panda kin, drunken monk. And Megan, who plays Nvidia, the tiefling eldritch knight fighter. Now, a disclaimer for a couple of things. We are all adults, and we have work... And some of us have work that makes us go in at weird times or we're on call or something like that. So some people will appear in certain episodes halfway through or at the end or at the beginning, but not after the break and stuff like that. So we ask that you bear with us because honestly, we can't do anything about it. We all like playing this game together and we try to fit each other in as wherever possible. I will try my best to explain it um, with story. I will try my best to explain their absences and comings and goings uh, as part of our greater story. Um, another disclaimer was we are going to be doing a roundtable kind of session zero style thing where we introduce characters and we go over the first couple episodes in kind of a recap. Because we are all new to this and none of us are sound engineers and we honestly lost the first couple episodes of this podcast because we're dumb. So with that said, into our story. First, there was Severius. From him, the world of Talea was created. He understood that he would need some help in making all the beings and forming this world. So from him, the five were born. Alaram, the goddess of water, the moon, and the tide. Grund, god of fire, mountains, the forge, bringer of light, maker of the forge star, and the god of war. Thrask, god of the sky, air, thunder, and lightning. Vrushk, goddess of nature, earth, the hunt, and the harvest. And Zedris, the goddess of death, darkness, and later known as the judge of souls and keeper of the aftertimes. As they will be known throughout 
Talea, the One and the Five. However, some have taken to calling them the Six. Um, there's no real distinction. It means the same thing, but sometimes we'll refer to them as the One and the Five, and sometimes we'll refer to them as the Six. It just all depends. The One and the Five worked together to create the land and the sea of the world known as Talea, and from them, the continent of Kars was molded. If you check out our Twitter, at Metal and Magic Pod, you will see a map of the continent. It's vaguely Australia-esque, but it has some shield islands and some cool little surprises. So, as time went on, each god created some of the certain races that you know through D&D. Severius created the Azamar, as he was the first god. Alaram created the Tritons, the Merfolk, the Fish, Aquatic Life, Ice Elementals, and Molded Sea Elves. Grund created Dwarves, Fire Giants, Orcs, and Fire Elementals. Thrask created Aarakocra, Birds, all creatures that can fly, including dragons, and eventually, due to his creation of dragons, Dragonborn. Some giant races and air elementals. Vrushk created elves, creatures of the land, halflings, gnomes, earth elementals, and Zedris created humans. For hundreds of years, humans were the only group of beings on Kars with the ability to die of natural causes. For this reason, other races enslaved them, used them for their labor in the mines of the Black Mountains, and for target practice with their militias. Others were taken captive and experimented on. Severus was very uneasy. He did not like the creations his five had made subjugating one another. Especially when all this subjugation was focused on one race. It was then that he made the choice and gave all races mortality. And try as they might, the other gods could not hold off the cold grasp of death. The gods tried using massive amounts of their divine power to stop their creations from wasting away with time. And this is why each of the different races have differing lifespans. Uh, Vrushk was the most successful with the elves, giving them thousands of years to live. Grun did well with the dwarves, but eventually every race succumbs to the cold hands of time and death. Soon the races took up residence in their respective areas of the continent. Time passed and they evolved and separated. Dwarves sticking to the hills and mountains, elves in the woods and their splendid cities. Halflings spread throughout the cities on the continent and Goliaths were born and developed their nomadic ways, wandering the various types of land, of the massive landmass that Kars had become. Times passed, and gods took favor on their creations, as well as creating new ones. Those favored by the gods were given gifts of divine power. These divine gifts were not given lightly or frivolously. However, over the millennia, the gifts were given. They were traded, they were sold, or misplaced. Various gifts were collected by seekers of relics, and eventually they became legend 
Every once in a while, an artifact would surface and someone would claim to have located one of the divine gifts. Most often, their claim was found to be false. However, monasteries and churches were built in this time to worship one or all of the gods. Uh, most large cities on cars have a church and a monastery dedicated to teaching the word of the one and the five. Some boast to even have a divine gift or two on display. Just over a thousand years prior to our story, a multi-kingdom army was chosen to take on a growing threat of orc encroachment on the city of Niflenhelm. Of that huge force was a man named Fiamar Mora. Mora was a low-ranking member on the military totem pole, and during a battle on the Dancing Coast, his regiment was ambushed by a group of orcs and various beastkin. They fought valiantly but fell to the overpower, overwhelming power of the orcs. Fiamar only lived due to his wound taking him down and the orcs believing him dead. He made his way into a nearby cave on the shore. In that cave, he found something that would change the course of the battle and history for years to come. A full suit of shining golden armor emblazoned with a sword over the sun. Donning this suit healed his wounds, and a bright light shone on him from within the cave. He heard a voice tell him, Lead your people to peace. Quell the flames of hatred. Use my power to bring light to Kars. Walk my path and all will be well. His sword glowed with the light of the one and the five, and he charged from the cave, surging towards the orc forces. With a mighty swing of his greatsword and a flash of holy light, the battalion of orcs and beastkin were wiped from the so shores of the Carsian Sea. Mora made his way to Niflenhelm, slaughtering any foes in his way and picking up troops as he moved. You see... No one recognizes a low-level militia soldier when they're shrouded in holy light. After making it to his destination with the power of the recovered army behind him, he and his men fortified the town of Niflenhelm and held through the onslaught of orcs, beastkin, and their newest allies, the giants. Those in charge of the army at first questioned his motives and his origin, but they were silenced when a visage of Severius flashed upon his face. After the siege of Niflenhelm was over, Fiamar went on a pilgrimage, looking for a land ripe for the construction of a new Carsian kingdom. He found this land on an island that sat between the fork of the Arrow Run River. This land had no sentient life, so here he built his great kingdom, later known as Glim. Later, King Mora went on a tour of the kingdoms and cities of Kars, making peace and treaties with many of the leaders of those cities. Few opposed him, and either, even fewer refused to make peace. 
He spent his time recruiting exceptional fighters from all over Kars to make a central fighting force for the defense of all beings on Kars. Now these legendary warriors were generals in the God King's army. Now we're going to go into a small overview of what magic is like. Um, this is going to be real short and hopefully you guys have enjoyed it so far. So magic in Kars is complicated to a point. Some areas have had a bad relationship with magic users. Some races have been completely conquered by magic users. Wars have been fought and won by magic alone. Currently in Kars, we have an institution for all eager learners and confused beings just coming into their powers. This place is called the Floating Arcanium. Sometimes it's just referred to as the Great Arcanium. We use those interchangeably. The Floating Arcanium is an island-sized building that travels the continent of Kars. It's literally a floating island with a magic school on top. The school is run by the Overseer, who is in charge of security and defense. The teachers that are hired are all well-versed in their craft and able to rely on that information and relay that information onto their students with ease. These teachers are allowed to teach how they want and what they want, and after the first year, the students are able to take whatever classes they would like that would best suit their power set. It's a relatively laid-back institution as long as you aren't a threat to the public or the school. The Arcanium has several smaller outposts set up in larger cities, as long as those larger cities are willing to put up with their outposts and mages being on the ground in their cities. Uh, the Arcanium does not force itself onto any city, and um, the Arcanium has never itself been involved in a war where they were the aggressor. Uh, the outposts are run by graduates who wish to conduct experiments, study, or further their magical education. All outposts have a direct link to the floating Arcanium and are monitored by the Overseer. Not all magic users in Kars are forced to go to the Arcanium and some won't ever set foot on Arcanium soil. Uh, magic in my world is used freely in most places, but without giving too much away, you'll see that it can be a problem. So, please visit us on Twitter. Uh, you'll see some maps. There will be there's character art of the entire group uh, at Metal and Magic Pod. That's N, not and. Metal and Magic Pod on Twitter. We also have a Facebook, Metal and Magic. Um. Next, we're going to be releasing every two weeks, and we're going to start with background stories and then go into our Session Zero to recap what we lost because we don't know what we're doing. And from there, we'll uh, start the story. I appreciate you listening, and hopefully we'll see you in two weeks for the first of the background episodes of Metal and Magic. <laughs>